This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a programme called Canny View, and it's our pleasure as always, and for the 101st time, not you personally, Nick, to have in the studio for the 101st time, but the 101st program from uh, Nick Stewart from the Stewart Group right here in Hastings. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Great to be here. It's hard to believe we've, um, yeah, 101 shows. Yeah, look at that. You're getting like an old man. Yeah, I never ever, <laughs> the highest 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 run rate I ever scored in cricket was 47. Oh, was it really? Always <laughs> dreamed of getting to 100, but I wouldn't have thought it would have been a radio show. Yeah, 100 not out too. <laughs> Before we get on to today's topic, just remind our listeners what the Stuart Group is all about. We're a financial planning and investment advice business based in Hastings and Wellington and also Masterton. We've got a new office there and we, we assist people in Hawke's Bay, the Wairapper and Wellington with their financial advice and we're a family owned independent business. For more than 30 years. 33 years, Ken. In Indeed. fact, in fact, um, in the new year, we'll be into the 34th wow, year. Wow, look at that. Big party at your place. Uh, yeah. You're welcome anytime. And you guys are big in KiwiSaver. Yes, we are. Yeah, look, we, um, it was a, almost seven years ago. It'll be seven years ago this Christmas that we, um, launched our KiwiSaver funds with Booster. Yeah, and we've just clocked over 112 million this week. Wow. We look after about four and a half thousand people from, um, Kate Rianga to the bluff. That's a lot of money, isn't it? It is. It is. And look, it's becoming a much larger feature on the landscape. I mean, it is the KiwiSaver is the single largest investment pool of capital for Kiwis now. Yep. You know, the focus used to be the New Zealand Super Fund, but uh, you know, KiwiSaver is about sixty billion now. The New Zealand Super Fund's about forty billion, and you know, people really do care about their KiwiSaver now. Our average client has about thirty thousand dollars now, and people. You know, when those values get up to that level, people focus on them. It's important. Indeed. I was one of those uh, people who didn't care about my KiwiSaver. It was just put into a fund. I thought, oh, well, I'm putting in every week. My employer put a bit in every week. And then thanks to your team, I went along and talked to you, and it cost absolutely nothing. Changed it over, and boy, I'd never got so much... Um, extra money in my life for nothing. Oh well, look, I'm really, really pleased it's it's worked well for you, Ken. And you know, we always yeah. always really appreciate the support of local people because no. that was the desire. Too right. Now today we're going to talk about trust. What are we going to talk about trust for? We're going to talk about trust because there's been some interesting surveys that have come out of late. You know, ranking um, professions mm. and industries and uh, entities and. I think a lot of people forget, you know, uh, you know, and certainly when I look at government with all the regulation that they're putting in place around financial advice and in various industries, that a lot of it boils down to trust. Yes. And at the top of the trust list that we've got here, um, and I, I didn't, I would never have put these guys at the top, but doctors come in first. They do. Were, yes. you, were you surprised with that? 
No, the medical fraternity have always come in quite high, and uh, certainly, you know, I, I remember when my father went in for surgery a couple of years ago, he came out and he was evangelical <laughs> about the Wellington, um, you know, public health service. I, I still remember that, whereas, um, you know, for someone like myself, I haven't been to hospital for a long time, but, I mean, I respect doctors, but I probably I don't know if I'd have them right up the top of the list because yeah. I haven't enjoyed their custody and care. No, I think in the past, the sort of the police of wars uh, rate of fairly high, but I see they've dropped down to third behind engineers. That's a funny old thing to have engineers, the second most trusted occupation. Uh, yeah, true. I, I wonder if the fact that engineers have had such a prominent role post the Canterbury mm. earthquakes about reinstating um, buildings such as our lovely Art Deco buildings in Hastings and Napier. And uh, heading down towards the bottom of the list mm. is, uh, say, for instance, the news media. And I wonder if uh, <laughs> if fake news, fake news. <laughs> has got something to do with that. Because fake news is bad news for everyone, isn't it? Um, yes, it is. Yeah. And and look, I mean, you know, uh, you know, as you know, you know, we do this fortnightly uh, radio show with yourselves. Yeah. Also, write every Saturday morning in the local paper, and uh, so look, I'm aware of what the news media is like, and and I mean, that's death by a thousand cuts for a lot of those institu- institutions. You know, the um, the payroll's a lot smaller than it yes, used to be, indeed. and the and the ability for them to to do what they used to do. You know, as the what do they call? Is it the fourth estate? That's is right, the fourth the, estate. The that's fourth one. estate. I mean, my goodness, you've got old Jeremy Jezza Corbyn talking about having the fourth <laughs> estate funded by the taxpayer. It's hard so, to believe, isn't it? Uh, yeah, interesting. But so certainly news media around fake news, a lot of it has um, the trust and faith in the fourth estate has declined. Yeah. And I wonder, if we want back the clock to when, uh, when I was a lot younger, for instance, in the, uh, the 60s and the 70s, I think that most people would have trusted banks Mm. And coming in at number eight on the list, so they're relatively high, I suppose, but depending on how long that list is, they're in the middle of this list that you've uh, sent me. Yes. But I think given recent press that banks have had, that you know, do, do people trust banks still? I think those that um, probably <laughs> – how would I be being kind with that? Um, to those that don't live under a rock, it would be hard to – hard to put faith in the banks mm. on what we're reading in the paper. Yeah. Um, like, it, you know, the um, – proverbial kicking kicking boy at the moment is the ANZ Bank yes and I think it would be what every two to three days there's mm-hmm. a negative article about the bank I mean what over the weekend and last Friday was bonus bonds yes uh, that was under the microscope I mean prior to that it was that David Hisco transactions around his Remuera house or Hearn Bay wherever mm-hmm. the glamorous location it was it had a very expensive price tag but look it, the faith in the banks has declined, not as bad as Australia, because the Royal Commission, which was well, the Royal Commission of Inquiry, um, was absolutely savage. Mm. Um, you know that was a media circus of many, many months with um, higher echelon, um, uh, you know, part of the, the chief executives, etc., general managers of the banks were under the microscope, and it was absolutely savage. So, look, if we were to run, if you were to look at this survey in Australia, banks would be much lower. New Zealand, probably we're entering the phase where the banks are declining here because, look, uh, you're seeing an article every couple of days that's negative. We've also got the uh, Reserve Bank, we've got the FMA and the government. They, uh, yeah, there's, there's a bit of blood in the water. 
And when you're talking about um, code of conduct, culture, etc., and that being enshrined in legislation on insurers and mm. banks, oh, we're heading we're heading the way Australia has gone. What's really changed, though, Nick? I mean, uh, you, you're more savvy with uh, the money side of business. Mm. Uh, what has changed since the good old days? Because I remember uh, in the 70s when I bought my first house, um, I went to the bank and they said, no, nah, you're not really sort of earning enough money, so we're not going to lend you that much money. So I then had to go to a, a building society to get my second mortgage, which was 23%. But uh, and, uh, and I came at the other end. <laughs> I'm not smiling, but you know what I mean. But So what's changed back then? to what's happening in banks today or are we just a bit more savvy about everything and back then if we were this savvy we would have had the same opinion um look there are many different answers to this or there are many different causes but i i'm just going to look at a couple and one of them is and, and look a lot of these things are around what's come out of the hain commission or the royal commission in australia a little bit around what the reserve bank are talking about, so Reserve Bank and the FMA are talking about New Zealand, and one of those is a sales culture. Mm. So, if you know you're talking about the good old days, yep. so the 1970s, well, the sales incentive culture in the banks wasn't there like it is today. Mm. Um, you've also got a phenomenal turnover of staff today versus back in the day. I mean, like, like I've met people who had the same bank manager. For two decades, yeah, sure. I mean that's quite hard to achieve mm. here. You know, a lot of people move; that um, they want different careers. But that sales culture is is very prevalent, and I know that the banks have been under the microscope on that, and some have changed their um, compensation structure as a result. But the other one is vertical integration. Mm-hmm. Now, back in the day, the good old days, as you call yes. it, let, let's use that term. Um, isn't it funny how people always refer to the future as the good old days? Yeah. <laughs> <It's funny that. laughs> Do you reckon that people said that when they arrived in New Zealand, you know, like, like, like the turn of that previous century? Back in the good old days when people yeah, were dying of famine and yeah. disease? Through rose tinted glasses to look at those days. <laughs> yeah. Now, so vertical integration. So that is where back in the day, the bank didn't own the insurer. The bank didn't own the wealth management arm. The bank didn't own the Kiwi saver. Mm. So they were bankers. And yeah. they were bloody good at it and did a really good job and protecting their balance sheet and therefore and also protecting the client from mm. putting themselves in danger um, with a massive ratio of debt versus their income. Mm. It just didn't happen. Whereas now you've got vertical integration. So, you know, I'm aware of financial advisors that work for banks where they have to open X number of accounts, have to transact X amount of life insurance, have to transact X amount of KiwiSaver accounts, wealth management, etc. I mean, it's built into their darn sales culture. Yeah. And often it may not be done at a dollar on a dollar basis, but it's done on a point system. All all roads lead to Rome. Um, So, look, vertical vertical integration has been very problematic. Um, I know that that's one of the major issues that came out of the Australian Australian Royal Commission. You've got banks in Australia that are now spinning off their non-core divisions, Mm -hmm. e.g. they're going back to core banking. And you know what? It's probably a good thing. Well, it is going to be a good thing um, because it's going to mean that the banks focus on banking. And their their advisors are not put into a position of conflict and therefore where trust is diminished in the advice that is provided. Now you mentioned financial advisors and let's have a look at that uh, Mm. because you guys are certified financial advisors. And I wonder, are you tarred or tainted with that broad brush that has 
been painted with financial advice in banks for us to say, oh, well, you guys are all the same. You're only in it for what you get out of it yourself. Is that what happens? Um, yeah, that, that, that is the standard brick mm. that's thrown. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when, you know, when you are, you know, when you're called a financial advisor yeah. and anyone else can call themselves a financial advisor, then it is difficult to differentiate yourself. Now, under the new legislation that was passed, um, we've spoken about on the mm-hmm. show before, the mouthful that is the Financial Services Legislative Amendment Act, or EFSLA. Yes. And uh, now that is going to make it where it's prohibited to call yourself a financial advisor mm. unless you are a bona fide financial fin- financial advisor with um, training and educational requirements, etc. So, look, it's going to be cleaned up. It's coming. Um, it's going to start next year, middle of next year. And that's the beauty of dealing with uh, the Stuart Group. You're not affiliated to anyone. You're there purely to give the client advice. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah, and that's something that we've wanted to build into the way that we run. Um, look, you know, we're a family business, as mm-hmm. I said at the start of the show, and it's really important that we adhere to the values that we have as a family. Um, and I think that it's it's important that we maintain that. Um, we're not interested in outside ownership having conflicts of interest. Mm. I look, conflicts are fine. Look. They're like an elephant grazing in the corner of the room. Most of the time, the elephant's yeah. really well behaved, but occasionally it's not. And that's when conflicts come to the fore. And it's very difficult for anyone to say that they're absolutely conflict-free because they're not. Yeah. And anyone says that they are entirely conflict-free probably hasn't done any serious digging. And for us, you know, we're a... Um, a firm that goes through an independent audit every two years for our CFIX certification as fiduciaries. So we actually pay someone to come in and start digging. Yeah, and audit and you. A, yeah, and audit yeah. us and identify any potential conflicts. And every business has a conflict. So, for example, um, if one of our team members or one of my staff is paid a base salary and then they're paid a KPI, as soon as you put in a KPI, no matter what it's on, mm-hmm. You've, you're, you're creating a behaviour that is going to um, push sure. and incentivise the person in a certain way. So how do you remain conflict or bias-free? I mean, did you just say, okay, well, there's no KPIs, but you might just call it something different. You might say, okay, well, look, instead of giving you a KPI, you're going to get a 10% increase in your salary. Yeah, right? yeah you, you could do. Well, look, the key, to, the key to everything is transparency, mm-hmm. and you know, a little bit of sunlight is always a great thing. So... I'm always one for over-disclosure. Yep. So you tell a client who's going to receive um, your advice, your services, your wares, you disclose everything because then the person's absolutely informed. And I think that is the only way that it can be done. Mm. Yeah. The other thing, of course, I suppose, is that when we come and see you, like as we mentioned a bit mm. earlier, when we want some KiwiSaver advice, it doesn't cost us anything. So you think, hmm. Is there such a thing as a free lunch? Well, there is when you go to the steward group, isn't there? <laughs> why, why is it free? I mean, why aren't you saying, okay, well, because you know, I spent probably oh, a good hour and a half with you guys at your place, and I walked out and it cost me nothing. And you know, certainly that gave me the confidence in what you do. And I've told many people that if yeah. you want to talk about KiwiSaver, talk to the steward group. Yeah. Well, um, in terms of KiwiSaver, you know, we're paid a service fee. Um, by the um, by booster, and we disclose that in our disclosure documents that we email to email or give a hard copy to every prospective client. But look, sometimes, and for something like KiwiSaver, KiwiSaver's 
it's an investment in the future for us mm. in in our clients and in the community because it's very difficult for a business to make itself financial, financially viable by helping l- many hundreds of clients with very, very small balances. But the fact is that as a business, we wanted to assist people in getting into investments and understanding and lifting their financial knowledge. Mm. It also helps them achieve their first home for many of those that want to get on the housing ladder. And you know what? Those type of relationships, are I get really motivated by that. So whilst we assist people with a lot of money, we also like to help the second and third generation come sure. through. I, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, it's what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're talking about trust today, and uh, you've mm. been around, well, like you mentioned, nearly 35 years. You've been around as long as some banks. So that's got to say a lot about the trust that the, the local community put in your organization. Yes, yes. Yeah, that yeah, that is true. I hadn't actually thought about it in that sense. Yeah, a lot goes on in that period. And, and look, you know, I've been at the firm and been a financial advisor for 19 years, coming up 20 years um, in six months' time. And wow, a lot's happened in those two decades. But yeah, the trust in what you do and running a conflict-free, fully transparent approach, long-term, um, pays dividends. And, you know, at the moment when you're looking at some of these with what the Reserve Bank and the Financial Markets Authority want to put through with this code of conduct and all this kind of culture embedded through regulation... You know, perhaps I'm, perhaps we might be just a little bit ahead of the wave on that one, which is really exciting. Might be. Look, it, the relationships are much more rewarding. And the other aspect is when we look at trust legislation, which is coming through, and Hawke's Bay has a lot of trusts, um, you know, in the rural hinterland, for people to have conflict-free, great relationships with their intermediaries, such as financial advisors, well, for, for the trustees to want to engage with someone, they really do need to ensure through the legislation, through the guidance that's coming, that they don't, that they're not entering relationships where there are conflicts. Where do you think people should go for good advice? I mean, I, I want to get from you the three mm. main reasons that you think that your company is successful. But if we could just wind the tape back to when we sure. talked about the, the news media, I saw something on, um, I think it was on Facebook uh, a few weeks ago, and it was Mike Hosking's photo. Yes. And they were saying Mike Hosking supports uh, Bitcoin. And, <laughs> and I think I heard him talking about it on Reddit. said, well, you know, hey, you can guarantee that wasn't me, that someone has put my Dear picture me. on this. But someone who knows Mike Hosking and think, hmm, He's, he reckons that Bitcoin's the way to go. Well, you know, obviously he's not um, getting behind it. But how do you get your head around it? Think, oh, well, that's got to be a good thing. Mike's doing it. I'm going to do it. Okay. Well, the first thing you would say is, so Facebook is free. Okay. Yes. So Facebook makes, makes its remuneration not by you, the consumer, paying to utilize its service. It makes money through advertising and by very unethical people mm. – Spruking product services such as fake news, yeah. Mike Hosking supports Bitcoin, which he didn't. So you can kind of see, so it's not a good source of knowledge and source of truth. It would be the same as getting all of your investment advice off YouTube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's very entertaining if you've got the hours to do so, but uh, that's very different than going and sitting down, eyeballing someone like myself or my team yeah. and going through a needs analysis, goals and objectives all about you, the client. I mean, that's 
that's very different. And, you know, for that service, as, as a relationship proceeds down the track, that comes with a price tag. Yeah. And you know what? You get what you pay for in this world. You do. And, like the, and that, you know, that the Bitcoin recommendation from the fake Mike Hosking, well, that one was free. But yes. you know what? It would be very, very expensive <laughs> if you followed that free advice. Although we laughed about that, but I would imagine that a lot of people get hooked in on it. Yeah, they do. Yep. Yeah, look, um, the prevalence of scams uh, in this country and offshore are vast. Mm. Um, oh, blow me. It's, there are, there'd be dozens and dozens every day. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a lot, it's, scams have moved on a little bit since you'd get a letter from a Nigerian prince talking about <laughs> that he's sitting on a hundred, you know, a hundred million dollars of petroleum assets. Right. It's got a lot more sophisticated since then. And at the end of the day, human contact, actually paying for service and actually, you know, anything that's fallen off the back of a truck that's free, etc. wow, just yeah. buyer beware. Sure. Now, give us the three main reasons that we should come and see the Stewart Group. Well, the first one is the coffee's really good. <laughs> and we're friendly people. Yeah, no, well, the reasons are we're uh, independent, we're local, and... Um, we're um, fully transparent in what we do, and we love helping people to get ahead, empower themselves financially. Good on you, Nick. Uh, before we shut the show out, just remind our listeners where the Stuart Group is and what your phone number is. Certainly. Our phone number is 0687889861, and we are at 204 Katamu Road in Hastings, the Black Basalt Stone building with a big red tartan logo. Good on you, Nick. As always, my pleasure. Look after yourself. Talk to the same time, same place next time. Thank you. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.